Pastor Chris's podcast. So it's good to have my mom in worship today with us. Um, it's been, as I told you, it's been nearly a year since she's been able to come and visit. She was actually supposed to come up last spring. She was going to come up and spend several weeks with us, maybe a month with us, um, because, you know, she'll do that from time to time. She'll go stay with my sister in North Carolina. Sometimes she comes and stays with us, and um, she lives in Hawkinsville. But right as she was getting ready to come up, that's when the pandemic broke out, and everything kind of went on hold, and everybody was staying isolated. And I think we've only been together one time over the course of the last year, so it's been nice to have her up this weekend. Um, and in church today, but she's been worshiping with us actually online quite a bit over the, the last year. Uh, she will be on there almost every Sunday. She's either on there live or she tells me sometimes she'll watch it after. Uh, some, she may go to lunch with my, my brother on Sunday and then she'll come home and watch the service after it's been over. But she'll watch the recording. So um, it's nice to be able to do that with. It's one of the good things that's come out of the pandemic is our ability to do those kinds of things. Um, but mom, my mom was a great mom growing up. She, she did a great job taking care of four kids. And um, she, was, she was a good, nurturing mom. She was also strict. She had her rules. Um, and I was just thinking about this, how when we were kids, we would sit around the dinner table and we would eat dinner together. And then after dinner was over, we, always, we couldn't just get up from the table. We had to say, may I be excused? Do you remember that? And we're, I'd kind of forgotten about that because we don't do that at, at my home now. But we used to do that when I was a kid. I don't know if anybody else had to do that. We couldn't get up. We had to say, may I be excused? And until they say yes, you couldn't leave the table. But um, she was a nurturer. She was a teacher, a caregiver. She was a disciplinarian. She had her rules. One rule was about fighting at school. There's no fighting at school allowed whatsoever. And so I, I never really did that while I was at school. I remember several times that I could have gotten into a fight and I could have easily won the fight, but I didn't because I was not worried about getting hurt at, by fighting at school, but I was worried about getting hurt by my mama when I got home because <laughs> she was going to tan my hide if I did that. Um, but she would do that. She would discipline us. And uh, she did well at it. But every now and then, it didn't happen often. But sometimes she would pull out the ultimate punishment cards that no one ever wanted to hear. Did you ever hear these words before? She would say, you just wait until your dad gets home. And, and that was the worst thing because, you know, when she would get upset and she, she might get red in the face and she'd get, you know, and you were worried that she was going to spank you or whatever she was going to do. But when she'd say that, it was over. She'd go on and she'd be calm and she'd be fine. She didn't have to worry about it anymore. But you had to wait however long that was knowing that your dad was coming home and his punishment was always going to be worse than hers ever were. But... Um, that was something that you didn't want to happen. Parents are responsible for disciplining their kids. It's a tough responsibility. It's a heavy burden to bear. As a parent myself, most of the times that I've had to discipline my kids have been some of the most difficult and heartbreaking moments of parenting. It's a, it's a heavy responsibility. You have to set aside your anger 
and your disappointment, and you have to try to teach and encourage your kids to do the right thing, to do better. Um, and, you know, it's that old expression that people, parents always say, and when you're a kid, you don't think it can be true. But then when you're a parent, you're, you understand that it is true when they say, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you. And the hurt may not be uh, physical, but it's emotional. It's in your heart. But I am very thankful that I am not responsible to discipline everyone. I was just, my kids was enough for me. Taking care of my own kids was enough. But in this series, we've been comparing the world's conventional wisdom to what Jesus said. And one thing that the world says is revenge is sweet. Along those lines, people say things like, when someone does you wrong, don't get mad, get even. See, you know the expression. And just like most things, uh, just, it seems like just the most natural thing that if somebody pushes you, you don't even think about it. You push them back, right? Someone comes up to you and pushes you, you push them back. That just comes natural to us. You don't even have to think about it. But if you don't push them back immediately, maybe you wait. Because another thing people say is that revenge is a dish that is best served cold, right? And we all know what that means. We've heard these expressions. But what is it that Jesus said? Well, in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 to 48, here's what he said. You have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. For he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you any different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. That's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A people today expect to hear Jesus say something like that. I mean, he's Jesus, right? He's supposed to be merciful and loving and forgiving. But Jesus' message was so counterintuitive, so unexpected when he first preached it to the people of his day. People then, just like today, but even more so, want revenge. They want to get even with those who've wronged them. Most primitive societies were very vengeful. Every wrong had to be avenged. In fact, the biblical command to take an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth was originally given to calm people down because people in ancient times were so vengeful that they would do crazy things. Because, for instance, in the ancient Middle East, if you attacked my son and poked his eye out and he no longer had an eye, the ancient Middle Eastern way to get back would be to go back and maybe kill the person that poked his eye out. And if I killed that person 
then his brother might come back and kill my whole family. And then I might, somebody in my, uh, one of my relatives might go back and wipe out their entire town. And so it would just escalate, escalate out of control. And so, G, and so uh, God comes in and he gives this law that we today use as, a, as a, a, a kind of sometimes as a proverb to talk about being tough. But he was talking about it as about being fair and merciful. And he says, listen, listen, calm down. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. If somebody pokes out your eye, don't kill them. What's fair is their eye. So it's even. And so he was doing that as a way to calm down people who were being too vengeful. Because left to our own devices, people are incredibly vengeful and vindictive. In fact, I don't know if you've ever thought about this. You know, people talk about God, and we put this picture up on the, on the slides today. It's kind of a stereotypical, comical view that some people have of God. It's being vengeful. People look at God sometimes and say he's a vengeful God. And sometimes they read about him in, even in the Old Testament and they think of him as a vengeful God. But I want you to think about this. Have you ever thought that maybe we see God as being angry and vengeful more because it's a reflection of our own attitude than the attitude of God himself. Think about it. If there is anyone in the universe who has a right to be angry and seek revenge, it's God. He created a beautiful world and everything in it was perfect. And then he made human beings as beautiful creatures, the crown jewel of his creation, and he put us in charge of it all. And what is it that we do? We take this beautiful thing he's made and we mess it all up by our sin and our rebellion. And no matter what God has done to try to make things right, his rebellious creatures disobey him again and again and again. Until we have turned this beautiful world he has made into an incredibly ugly place at times, a place where terrible evil often happens. If anyone ever had a reason and a right to be angry, it's God. But then... When God actually comes down to the earth and he puts on human flesh as Jesus Christ, instead of being vengeful, he's incredibly merciful. It's the exact opposite of what you would think. Because we think God is vengeful. But when he shows us who he is, we see in Jesus Christ that he's patient with our sin. And even though most people misunderstood him. A lot of people rejected him. Even through all of his suffering and people disrespecting him, some people cursing him, Jesus does nothing but good to people while he's on the earth. Ultimately, Jesus doesn't even resist when they falsely accuse him and nail him to the cross. As he's hanging on the cross, literally hanging on the cross, 
This God that everyone thought was so vengeful says, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. And I think that so much of the bloodlust for vengeance that we perceive in God may actually be our own sinful attitudes that we are transferring onto God. Because throughout the Bible, God speaks out against taking vengeance. For example, in Leviticus, back in the Old Testament, it's in Leviticus where we always think God is so vengeful and angry. It says, do not take revenge or bear a grudge against a fellow Israelite, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. And then in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. And then in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, the Apostle Peter says, Do not repay evil for evil, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. So we are told again and again not to seek vengeance and not to be revengeful people. How is it that we give up vengeance? Because, you know, there's something in us. I think it's part of the DNA that God gave us when he created us that cries out for justice. We know when things are not right. We know in our heart that things are not right and they need to be made right. Justice is required. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. That's a divine thing. Justice is part of God's original plan. And ultimately, justice will be served. The issue is, we are not the ones to bring ultimate justice. God is responsible for seeing that true justice is served. And too often, our judgment is clouded, especially if we or someone we really care about has been hurt or wronged. Our anger and resentments, our hurts, distort our sense of justice. Furthermore, we don't see the big picture. We don't really see what's going on. Things may be playing out behind the scenes that we don't understand. And frankly, that we don't really care about. Because if someone hurt us, we don't care about the big picture. We only care about what happened to us or to someone that we care about. God is the only one who has the, the wisdom to understand everything and to institute the right kind of judgment that's really fair in a given situation. Furthermore, he is the only innocent party involved in the situation who is beyond reproach and has the right to pass judgment. Because as angry as we might get about someone else and the evil that they've done, we forget that sometimes we have done evil too. We've done things that we ought not have done and as soon as we start passing judgment on someone else, there's always someone else that can point the finger back at us. And maybe that someone else is even God. 
who's saying, yes, I know you're angry about what they did, but you're not even thinking about what you have done. Furthermore, God is the only one who has the unlimited power that is necessary to bring true evil to justice. And I want to share a little secret with you this morning. If you've not known this, maybe this will be something that could be truly life-changing for you. It is a great relief to let go of revenge. It's a very heavy burden to carry around the desire to get revenge. That's a heavy, heavy weight. And when you give that to God... He is more than capable of carrying that weight. And you don't have to carry it anymore. All of a sudden, that weight is lifted from you. It's almost like what my mom used to say when we were kids. And I got in really bad trouble. And she would be so frustrated and so angry. And she would say, you just wait until your dad gets home. And then it was gone. And she could just not worry about it anymore because she knew he was going to take care of it. When he got there, well, the question for us today then would be, could you look at someone who has wronged you and you just simply say in your heart, you don't have to necessarily say it to the person, but in your heart you say, I'm done with this. It's not my job to get this person back. This is in God's hands. You just wait until your heavenly father gets home. He's going to take care of it. Can you trust in your heart of hearts that vengeance is indeed the Lord's and then just let it go? If you can, that's such a tremendously freeing thing. And let me tell you something. God can punish people in ways that you can't even imagine. Think about that for a minute. You think you're going to get them back? (laughs) You don't even understand what that means. If they need to be disciplined or punished or whatever it is, God knows how to do that. And also know this. God will never punish someone in ways that they don't deserve. But you might. But Jesus goes even further. Not only does he tell us not to seek revenge, he says, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. As followers of Christ, we follow his example. Jesus was merciful and forgiving. Even when people crucified him, he forgave. We should too. And I understand that that is incredibly hard to do. In fact, we aren't even able to do that by our own strength and power. In order to do something like that, you gotta, you got to rely on God's power. But thankfully... He offers that power. When we trust in Christ as as our Savior and follow Him as our Lord, He gives us His Holy Spirit.
to actually come and live inside our heart. And he helps us to love people like God loves them. Even people who may have done us wrong. And as we love people like that, God begins to heal us as well. So by loving your enemies and praying for those that persecute you, you are actually helping yourself. You're allowing God to help you. You're opening your wounded heart up to the healing touch of God. And he will heal you and make you stronger and better. Now, I need to make a disclaimer here and make sure that you understand that just because you forgive someone doesn't mean that you're pretending that the way that person hurt you isn't a big deal. That's not forgiveness. A lot of times we confuse what forgiveness really is. We sometimes think that that means to just pretend like, oh, it's okay, you know, somebody does something bad to you and you just think, oh, it's okay, it's not a big deal. But it is a big deal. That person has hurt you. They have offended you. They have wronged you. If that's a real legitimate thing that they've done, you don't have to pretend like they didn't do it. I mean, you can't forgive someone unless they actually offended you. It's a requirement. Jesus said, forgive. And you can't forgive unless someone has actually harmed you. So don't pretend. You don't have to pretend like it's, it's not a big deal. It is. You've been hurt. And it may also be necessary to hold someone accountable if they have done something wrong. They may need even to be legally prosecuted and face human justice through our legal system. That may be part of the process. But that doesn't mean you have to be vengeful in your heart. Because sometimes holding people accountable is actually a form of love, isn't it? And that's what God has called us to do, is to love one another. And sometimes that means holding them accountable. And so as we come to the conclusion of the message today, I want to offer you a, a time to meditate and think about what God might be saying to you today. So I would invite you to close your eyes for just a moment and open your heart and your mind to the Lord this morning. He has been looking forward to you being here in this service for a long, long time. And now you're here. And we've been talking about forgiveness and mercy and vengeance and discipline. And the question that comes to mind for you to think about, <clears throat> who has done you wrong? Who has done something wrong to you? And have you forgiven them? Can you even do that? Can you forgive them? Is it possible? Or are you still expecting payback in some form or another? Take a minute to talk to God about this.
Now, you may need a few more moments to continue to talk with God about that. And that's fine. If that is the case, please continue right along talking with the Lord. But as a final question, I would ask you to go maybe even deeper and ask, how could you actually love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? How could you do that this week? Ask God about that as well. Gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for being with us today and allowing us to notice your presence among us, feel your hand upon our lives, to consider these incredible words that Christ said to us that we should love our enemies and pray for those that persecute us. Father, this is truly challenging. It boggles our mind to even think about it. I know that many of us don't even know if we want to do it, let alone if we are even able to do it. And so we approach your throne today. We recognize, O Lord, that we are imperfect people, that we are weak, We make mistakes ourselves. Sometimes we accidentally hurt people. And there may even have been other times when we did it on purpose. And yet, we are sorry for it. Father, I'm thankful that because of Christ dying on the cross, His blood that He shed, we can be forgiven of our sins. Even though we don't deserve it, You are merciful and gracious. And you welcome all who repent of their sins into your kingdom. Help us, O Lord, to be those people who repent and turn to you. And Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit, help us also to be the kind of people who live those words that we prayed today in the Lord's Prayer. People who ask you to forgive us our trespasses as we also forgive those who trespass against us. This is our prayer, O Lord. We make it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and our Lord. Amen.